Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 392 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And here at the Unpopular Podcast, not really asked you to agree with me, I'm asking you to hear me out. When we get to the national championship, right? There are, there's always a lot of think pieces. There's a, how did this team get here? How did that team get here? Is this the right matchup? It's, it's think pieces galore, and rightfully so. This is not. This is the Super Bowl of college football, you know. So obviously, people are going to be highly invested. People are going to give their takes about who's going to win, who's not going to win, why they're going to win, why they're not going to win. And uh, I think this episode is me throwing my opinion in the ring because that's exactly what I'm going to do for this episode. And looking at both Michigan and Washington, it's so fascinating how different both of these teams look, but how similar their road was to get here. Nowadays, because I talked about this last episode as well, nowadays, nowadays, when you hear words like the transfer portal, when you hear words like opting in, opting out, people coming back, people leaving to go to the draft, there's usually a negative connotation to the transfer portal. Let's just, let's just, let's just keep it on the transfer portal. There's usually a negative connotation to the transfer portal. When people say, they're putting their name in the transfer portal or X player went to here via transfer portal. There's usually negative connotations. But if you look at this Michigan team and you look at this Washington team, not only has the transfer portal been good to both teams, but the transfer portal and players returning have benefited both of these teams greatly. From Blake Corum to J.J. McCarthy to Michael Penix to Roma Dunze to Jalen Polk. All of these players, there was not only, not all of them, but, you know, either hit the transfer portal or was projected to leave last year, but stayed this year. And we talk about players on both defenses. It's the same thing. Both defenses are riddled with transfer portal stars or stars that should have left last year but came back for one last ride. Again, it's I think that this is going to be You know how last episode I said that or when I was predicting the Sugar Bowl and I said that one of two things are going to happen. It's either going to be a shootout or it's going to be a defensive bout. I do not feel that way at all for the national championship because I think both of these teams are equally equally built, just dominant in different ways. Let's talk about Michigan first. A lot of people are, are building this narrative that this team is destined like it's destiny for Michigan, not only to be in the national championship, but to win the national championship. Seeing as how they lost to the incredible Georgia team that pretty much their entire team went to the NFL. Then the next year they lost to TCU, which ultimately got smacked in the in the national championship. 
they have been so close to the finish line. They just have not been able to get there. And when you talk about the sign stealing, when you talk about Jim Harbaugh, is he going to stay? Is he not going to stay? When you talk about the maturation from uh, for J.J. McCarthy, when you talk about the maturation of Blake Corm, everything, it's easy to build and paint the narrative that Michigan is, quote unquote, destined to be here. And I wouldn't be upset if you said that. What I will say is, there's a lot of things that that mold teams. There's a lot of of different avenues that can get you to the same destination. And for Michigan, even though you can, I, I, saw, I heard a lot of people talking about it during the during the Rose Bowl. A lot of people were in my comments when I was talking about last game. Signs, I don't think you understand how much of a or how little of an advantage sign stealing is in football because everyone does it. If you don't do it, you're not you're not trying to win. Now, just because Michigan was they were trying to make them the poster child of it. And they did. I I will admit that they did kind of go above and beyond in some areas, sending staff to different games where which is above egregious but i think sign stealing had so little of an effect because everyone does it i'm not saying it did not have an effect but it's not as big of effect of people think that because michigan was sign stealing is the reason why they're undefeated right now that's not the case they're undefeated because they built this team from the ground up and it took years in the making and now you're seeing the culmination of of good coaching and good recruiting and and players staying players growing players improving this is this 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 is you're seeing the maturation of a team so Michigan got here the long route, man. A lot of, uh, and this is why I am such a fan of Jim Harbaugh. Yes, everywhere Jim Harbaugh's gone, he's seen success. Whether that was at Stanford with Andrew Luck, whether that was the 49ers getting to a Super Bowl with Colin Kaepernick. And here, Jim Harbaugh knows how to succeed in different levels. And the beauty of Jim Harbaugh and the beauty of this Michigan team is there's tradition everywhere. And one of the most traditional sports or sports that people love to to stay traditional is college football. People want to see a team win because they have a dominant defense and a dominant running back. People want to see teams win the quote-unquote traditional way. And those are the same people that have problems with NIL. Those are the same people that have problems with the transfer portal. Those are the same people that have problems with the fact that you have to stay in in college football for three years. They think you should stay for four. You're not going to be able to change their mind. But 
when we talk about NIL and Michigan has used it correctly, Michigan has used it right when we talk about keeping players that should be, you know, keeping players that are destined for the league or could have gone to the league, keeping them for a year, selling them on this on the on the thought and on the hope that they can compete for a national championship. And Jim Harbaugh has done it perfectly. Again, the last time I'm going to talk about it, the whole sign stealing thing was not that big of an advantage. I'll be real with you. It's not because everyone does it. Again, if you don't do it, you're you're not trying to win. People talk about Michigan sign stealing. Completely went over the head that Ohio State was accused of sign stealing as well. And Indiana was accused of sign stealing. And every almost every single former college player that has been on Fox, that has been on NF, uh, ESPN, that's been on any network has said it happens all the time. So this isn't just me trying to shoot Michigan bail. This is people saying that people are taking this and blowing it out of proportion. But back to the present. The reason why I don't think that this is going to be a shootout or or could turn into a shootout is because I don't think that Michigan is built that way. I don't think that Michigan Michigan can play in a shootout we saw that last year against TCU and a lot of the team that was on that team are back TCU I think beat them 51 to 45 that was obviously a shootout and Michigan ultimately lost that game because of self mistake or mistakes that they made but the reason why I don't think that is going to be a shootout because this year's Michigan's defense is playing much better than last year's and I just I feel that this defense is too good to to have to get into a shootout. We saw that against Alabama last game in the Rose Bowl. Alabama, to give their credit, yes, you can talk about Jalen Milrow and his deficiencies wherever you think they are. But Michigan, I mean, Alabama has been in shootouts a lot this year. So they know how to put points on the board. It's just when you're playing against a defense, a solid, sound defense like Michigan, that kind of eliminates that option. And I know that I know that when this entire year, the, the the I will say this the let's say X factor of this game. I know a lot of people are saying the X factor is Blake Corm because how Michigan likes to operate their offense, how Michigan likes to go about things. They like to have a smash mouth running game. We've seen that pretty much since a game or two before Ohio State, and they definitely saw it in the Penn State game. But I believe the X factor is or has to be J.J. McCarthy because we know there there are some things that it's it would be shocking if they don't happen. 
There are some things that are expected. Like, I expect Michigan's defense to play lights out. They've done it all year. They Their, their only lapse defense was probably against Maryland. But that was also the game, I believe, after Ohio State. So, of course, you have, like, sort of a lull there. But I expect Michigan's defense to play. I expect Michigan's run game to be great, not just because of Blake Corm and the, the the running back core, but how good of an offensive line Michigan has. Even with their best offensive lineman being out, who, who they lost for the season, Michigan dominates the trenches. They dominate the, the, the offensive line of scrimmage, and they dominate the defensive line of scrimmage. And... Mm-hmm. That in and of itself allows Michigan to have a dominant run game. I ex- I will say that there were, especially probably, probably more against Georgia when they played maybe the first time in the college football playoffs. But there has been sort of a, as much praise as I'm giving Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh has had a tough time in the in the playoffs and some of the play calling, some of the time management that he's had, especially and, and I'm not I'm looking more at that Georgia game. It 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 hasn't been the best, but he played and he had a masterful game against Alabama in the Rose Bowl. So the reason why I'm saying that JJ McCarthy is the X factor because there are things that I you can say the defense is an X factor. You can say the running game is an X factor. You can say the offensive line is an X factor. But they've been so great all season. The one thing that can can sway this for Michigan is the quarterback play. Because what's not talked about a lot because of how good Michigan has been is the play of J.J. McCarthy and how – it seemed like he was on an offensive tear in the beginning of the season. And I don't know if it was due to injury. I don't know what it was, but it's, it seemed to have tailored off. Now I'm not saying that JJ McCarthy is trash. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that JJ McCarthy isn't good, but what I'm saying is when you look over and you see the quarterback that you about to play, you have to, the mistakes have to be minuscule because the last thing that you need, you you want, is your defense to have to be on the field for long periods of time when they have to go against the offense that Washington has. So, J.J. McCarthy, I'm not saying you have to win a shootout. I'm not saying you have to be in a shootout, but... You have to be able to make plays. And he did that against the Rose Bowl, so shouts out to him. But you have to be able to do that a little better, a little more in the national championship. Now, I'm not saying that Michigan should change their entire offense or change their entire game plan to to accommodate J.J. McCarthy. But I do think that there there is going to be plays that he needs to make, that the offensive line can't make for him, that the that the running backs can't make for him. Now, he was able to do that in the Rose Bowl. We will see if he can do that in the national championship. And the last thing I'm going to talk about before I go over to Washington, 
it seems like <laughs> it seems like this podcast favorite phrase or the favorite phrase that I've had these last few weeks, maybe even months, is the margin of error. It seems like almost every single episode I've talked about the margin of error. Almost every single episode I've talked about how different the margin of error can be for different teams, for different games, for different series, for different stages of the season. The margin of error shrinks the closer you get to your your goal, which obviously is a Super Bowl, an NBA championship, a national championship, a World Series. It gets smaller. And I think that this is probably, ain't no think, this is the first game, the very first game, where Michigan has absolutely no margin of error. Because you're playing against a team that obviously deserves to be in the national championship, but you're playing against a team that is built exactly like you, just in different areas. And those, those, I'm going to chalk it up to just the Rose Bowl when I talk about the special teams blunders. Because the special team blunders for Michigan single-handedly not only kept Alabama in the game, but gave them confidence that they could win the game. Now, I talk, also talk about habits. They didn't have the they didn't build the habits throughout the season, and they weren't good enough to flip the proverbial switch to ultimately win. But when you talk about missed PATs, when you talk about missed field goals, when you talk about punt, muffed punts, that cannot happen in a national championship because I promise you the the opportunities that Alabama was given and ultimately didn't, didn't capitalize, you ain't got to worry about that with Washington. They're going to capitalize every single time. And whether that's in points or that's in clock management, they are, they know, they will, if you keep giving them opportunities like you gave Alabama, it's not going to work. You're going to lose. If J.J. McCarthy, he threw an, he threw a possible interception the first pass of the game. You get down a score or two against Washington, it is incredibly difficult to come back because of how good they are at milking the clock and running the clock. And and it, it's just going to be a long day if you make some mistakes for Michigan. Now let's talk about Washington. And I understand when you look at these teams, you think there is no Jalen. What the hell are you talking about? You don't know what the hell you're talking about. There's no way you can watch college football because these teams are nothing like each other. These teams are nowhere close to each other. You are just doing this for clicks. You this. Here's another guy that doesn't know what he's talking about. Here's another guy that makes a video that has no idea what they're talking about. I, I think that you can tell that I have been uh, <laughs> I've been in the comments 
uh, for a while now. But when you look at this Washington team, one of the reasons why I said that these teams are so similar, and I just talked about the transfer portal. I talked about um, teams that not only use the transfer portal, transfer portal to perfection, but ultimately have students and players and athletes return. The poster child of getting players to opt in and come back and using the transfer portal is Washington. Michael Penix, who was a finalist for the Heisman, who a lot of people feel, especially after his play in the Sugar Bowl, should have won the Heisman. He was a transfer portal baby that people like to call. Roma Dunze, transfer portal. Jalen Polk, both Roma Dunze and Jalen Polk were supposed to leave after last year. But shouts out to head coach uh, Kellen DeBoer. He was he he sold them on he sold them a bill of goods that if you come back, we will have one of the best chances that we've ever had to win a national championship. The belief that he had in Penix, the belief that he had in Polk, the belief that he had in Adunze, the belief that he had in just this team. And on top of that, I talked about I talked about how perfect of a of a coach Jim Harbaugh has been for this Michigan team. I will go on a limb in saying that Kellen DeBoer has been at least top three coaches this year. The fact that you, not only have you won big games, I mean, you beat Oregon twice. You beat Texas in the Sugar Bowl. You're undefeated with with your team having holes. It, it, it's com- the the job that Kellen DeBoer is doing or has done these last what two years because he's only been on this coach for, he's only been coaching for or the coach of this team the Washington Huskies for two seasons has been incredible and he's a big reason why Washington is here but The reason why I said that both of these teams are built for each other, let's say that, is because you have opposites that both of these teams are opposite but but similar. And, and I hope I explained it a little bit in clarity when I was talking about Michigan, but let me try to do it again with Washington. Washington, you know what you're getting going against Washington, just like you know what you're getting when you go against Michigan. I talk about when I talk about Michigan, I say that they don't care how they beat you. 
they're going to beat you. They don't care. There's no agenda as to what they're going to do, how they're going to play. They just try to beat you, and they're going to beat you. Well, with Washington, and I talked about this briefly last episode, they're one of the first and only teams I think I've ever seen that has such a fast, prolific offense that at a drop of a dime, as soon as they get a lead, they slow it down to pedestrian speeds <laughs> to the fact that to the point where it's almost impossible to have a deficit on Washington and come back. No matter what the deficit is, it could be three, it could be seven, it could be six, as we saw against uh, Texas. If you have a deficit on Washington, you have there's a good shot you're losing. And that not only is because of great coaching, but it's just because of the personnel that they have. And when you have that is tough to do. People don't under that is tough to do to have such a a a, a, a gear like offense. That's tough. But Washington. There's a lot of things that you can talk about. You can talk about the magical season that Michael Penix had and how, where he came from to where he was, where he is. And how not only has he been one of if not the best quarterbacks in the nation this season, but he has incredibly increased his draft stock. You can talk about the two <laughs> Because I, I talk about those three a lot. The reason why is because it's very rare that you get three players or more of the skilled positions go into the league. And there is a good chance that three, all three of them not only are high draft picks, but are very productive in the league. We're going to talk. Remember that. Remember that note. We're going to talk about that again in a second. But I will say the key, the X factor for Washington is not Adunze, it's not Polk, it's not the run game, because I know the running back is dealing with a foot injury. He will be playing, though, that's what they say. It's not Penix, it's the offensive line. One thing that isn't talked about a lot when we talk about Washington is how dominant their offensive line has been. Their offensive line has been one of the best offensive lines in college football. Now, it's it, whoever wins the trenches wins this game. I know that's obvious to say, but you're going against a prolific defense, a fast, physical, aggressive defense in Michigan against a strong, a sturdy, disciplined offensive line in in uh in Washington because one thing that one of the, another reason cuz I talked about one of the biggest reasons why Texas lost against Washington was because of the mistakes and we talk about margin of victory I mean margin of error and how the margin of error is obviously shrunk for both teams but one thing that isn't talked about is they were unable to get to Michael Penix now, 
that's not on that's not only is that due to his incredible poise in the pocket and this his his level like level-headedness but it's also because of how good the offensive line has been if I will say this if one of the biggest reasons why Michigan was able to beat Alabama is because they got to Jalen Milrose early and they obviously got to him late if you can't get if, if if you're unable to get to Michael Penix or if you're, you're unable to speed him up, which we have not been able to see a lot of this year, that's going to make it incredibly difficult for your secondary that has to deal with though that speed and that that athleticism from the from the wide receivers. Your secondary is going to be in a bind because also one thing that we know about Michael Penix is he is going to. He is going to get the ball exactly where it needs to go. He has an innate ability of throwing a perfect pass, especially being a lefty, throwing a perfect pass. So who wins this game? And how do they win? For the longest or not for the longest, but for a while, I was having a tough time. I even, I think I even tweeted this. I was having a tough time figuring out how Michigan is going to deal with the speed and just the talent of this this Washington team. I didn't know how the hell they were going to do it. Because they have not seen any team like this this year. When we talk about the, yo, and that's and, and that's something that we're we saw twice this year. And what I'm, how do I explain this? The Pac-12, for what it was, has always been known to have fast offenses when we talk about Washington when we talk about Oregon when we talk about Oregon State they've always had USC they've always had fast offenses they've always had high octane offenses what their issue was with their offense they never had they they didn't really have a level of physicality there, 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 there was never. There was always a lack of physicality, and you saw once they went up against SEC teams, and once they went up against physically dominant teams, they would get destroyed. They get blown out. They, they lose tremendously, and that's not something that that's that's not something that you can afford here. Um. But what I'm saying is what we have we haven't seen um this is one of the first times in a while that we've seen not just Washington but Oregon as well they have a level of physicality that can travel to other places that can travel to the SEC that can travel to the Big 10 when they have to go against a Michigan when they have to go against an Ohio State when they have to go against a, a Michigan State when they have to go against an Iowa 
And that is going to bode well for Washington. So I was wondering, how is how the hell is Michigan going to handle that? Because I don't think they've seen that at all this year. But then I remembered. Michigan, one of one, one of one of Michigan's obvious points of the year. And one of the Michigan's goals every year is to beat Ohio State. That's that honestly, I think, is a bigger mission for them than winning the national championship. Obviously, because of the rivalry with Michigan, Ohio State, and how deep that runs. And I'm reminded to what last year. Do you remember last year's team, the Ohio State team? They had C.J. Stroud. They had Chris Olave. They had Garrett Wilson. They had Jackson and Ninjimba, Nijigba. I'm sorry, I, I, I definitely butchered your name. I apologize. But they had him. Now, I will admit that I, it feels that Michael Penix is playing better than C.J. Stroud was playing at that time. But this Michigan team was built to beat that Ohio State team. And they did, hand like handedly. So while I don't think Michigan has seen this type of team this year, they have seen this type of team before, where they have an NFL level quarterback and a bevy of NFL level receivers. Last year's Ohio State. And they beat them. And they've also seen fast, explosive offenses last year. TCU. They they lost that game. But they lost that game mainly because of some of the mistakes that J.J. McCarthy made. I think he threw like three or four interceptions that game. Or the offense itself. I'm not just going to put it all in J.J. McCarthy because I don't remember. But I know they had about three or four turnovers. And on top of that, thinking about Washington's road, I don't think they've seen a team like Michigan. Yes, I know they beat Oregon, which is, you know, they are much better under Dan Lanning. They're they're much better defensively. Yes, they have Texas, who they beat. But I, I think that I'm not saying that the game plan is going to be the same, obviously, but I think that Michigan has seen this type of team before where they have NFL level players throughout the offense. And their defense, as good as their defense is, they have one of the worst uh, passing defenses in the league, I believe. Now, their defense can get their their defensive front can get to the quarterback, which is why it's very imperative that Michigan wins the or whoever. That's why I said whoever wins in the trenches wins this game. But because Michigan has seen a team like this before, I think Michigan is going to win the national championship. 
I've talked about the quote unquote season from season of destiny. I think that with everything that's going on with Michigan, with the sign stealing, with Jim Harbaugh being suspended twice, with players that they're questioning their players skills because of the sign stealing thing. The fact of how they lost last year and a lot of people thought that last year was their best case of winning the national championship if they would have gone up against that Georgia team. Or the fact that it feels so much like this is Jim Harbaugh's last year. The when he's he buys I mean he he uh he gets an agent, an NFL type agent. It just feels like if not now, especially with how good this team is, with with how good Jim Harbaugh's been, with just how how good this coaching staff in general has been. If not now, I don't know when. I think the last time they won the national championship was in the 70s, wasn't it? Uh, give me a second. Yeah, their last national championship was, oh no, their last national championship was 1997. So, and the Washington last time they were in the national championship was 1991. So, I got Michigan winning. I just think that I think that they've they've seen this type of team before. And I wouldn't be shocked if Washington won obviously because they got there, but I just I just think especially what's help was helping Michigan and what's helping Michigan not only is the fact that they've seen this type of team in Ohio State last year, but a lot of the players that played on that on that Michigan team is still here. So they can harken back to that feeling you know so or not that feeling but that game plan not saying it has to be exactly the same but I I think that I have Michigan win the national championship and them capping off the magical season that was this season and how bumpy it's been but you know I have Michigan winning let me know what you guys think the national championship is on Monday uh, I think at 730 let me know who you guys have winning. Let me know. I'm sure there's people that's going to tell me how wrong I am. Just just let me know. Let's move on. Let's talk about Dalvin Cook for a second. So, Dalvin Cook has had a uh, interesting road since leaving Mich- uh, Minnesota. Goes to the Jets. A lot of people think that it's just yet another piece to a championship caliber cog. And then we understand that 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 machine completely broke four plays in uh, or with Aaron Rodgers rupturing his Achilles. And there has been a bevy of issues with the Jets this year most of it obviously is stemming from the the their handling of the quarterback position but 
another one has been their handling of the running back position. But that's I'm not going to put that on the coaching staff. And honestly, I'm not really putting it on Dalvin Cook. I'm putting his decision making on him. But going into it, you knew. I don't know how much Dalvin Cook has in the tank. That's that's the the issue and that's the fear that you run into when we talk about running backs. It's that you can running back is the probably the most appreciating asset on a football field, on a football team because the more that they do the, the 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 more their value is the more toll it takes on the body which ultimately shortens your career span your your career you know we you can look at Derrick Henry Derrick Henry had a down year this year it, i know it's hard to look at players like that and look at running backs that were once incredible and now they're slowing down, but that's what happens at the running back position. You take so many hits, and those hits, the more you get hit, it, you don't get fresher. I'll say that. But with Dalvin Cook, yo, the Vikings ran him to the ground. So I didn't know, you don't really know how much he has. And going to the, the Jets, it seemed like a wasted opportunity a wasted year not only because of Aaron Rodgers but everyone in their mama knew that the Jets didn't need him because you have Brees Hall who was the leading candidate of offensive rookie of the year last year before he got hurt so I didn't know I knew that you can't take you can't take rushes and you can't take touches away from from Brees Hall He's young, he had an incredible season, and he was on fire to start the year. And he's been on fire majority of this year. So I knew that it wasn't going to be, I'm not going to say I knew it wasn't going to be a good fit. What I was saying was it didn't seem like it was going to be a good fit for Dalvin Cook to go to the Jets. Especially after seeing what happened with Aaron Rodgers. But the news that came out is obviously they the Jets and De- Delvin Cook parted ways and he was not picked up on waivers. For people that don't understand what that means, I, I'm, I'm gonna stop because I've I seen a lot of people's like, why didn't the why didn't a team just pick him up on waivers? Right, pick him up on waivers means that you have to pay the contract that whatever team that he just left gave him. And the reason why you don't want to do that is because it could be a a large contract. And if you let him go to free agency, I think that he get the team that he just left has to obviously pay him whatever was guaranteed. But you're you're not on the hook for that. If he has free agency and you pick him up, you can give him whatever contract that you want to give him in that whatever contract he accepts. But Dalvin Cook chose the Ravens (laughs) and this feels so much like when Leonard Fournette went to the 
Tampa Bay Buccaneers with with um, Tom Brady. Now, obviously, they didn't go at the same time, but Leonard Fournette was on the Jaguars and hit free agency, was upset with the Jaguars. They parted ways, or they cut him, I believe, and he went to the he went to the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and ultimately helped them win a championship or helped them win a Super Bowl. I think the key word in that situation is helped. I'm I'm gonna just keep it a bean. If you're a team that is depending on Dalvin Cook, like if Dalvin Cook is your missing piece to winning a champion winning a Super Bowl, you're not a Super Bowl caliber team. If Dalvin Cook if 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 you're expecting Dalvin Cook to come in and take wider or running back one reps, you're not a championship caliber team, or you have bigger holes than you think. I just don't think that Dalvin Cook, not only in his career, but at this point of the season, I mean, we're at week 18. I don't think that Dalvin Cook is is a game changer for the Ravens. What I do think it is, he is insurance. And I think like Leonard Fournette, you don't need him, but he is a integral part and he can be an integral part. The Ravens have been the model organization all year, whether we talk about Lamar Jackson, whether we talk about the run game. Again, people forget the run game, like usual years with this Ravens team, has dealt with huge injuries, whether we talk about Mitchell, whether we talk about J.K. Dobbins. But you don't notice it because of a Justice Hill, because of a Gus Edwards, because of Melvin Gordon, who's who has been pretty much on the practice squad. He came in and he scored a touchdown last game. So they've been able to plug and play and they've been able to get the best out of their 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 team. This has been a model franchise all season. But I think that this has been a per this this that oh man I'm going to talk about this a little bit when we when I give my predictions but I think again this is about insurance this this gives you a person a big name uh, someone that has history at being dominant at the running back position and don't get me wrong this is no offense to Justice Hill there's no offense to Gus Edwards or no offense to the running backs has been there but I think that Dalvin Cook does give them an uh, a name a name that can they they can lean on I'm not saying that they need, if they have to lean on Dalvin Cook things are going awry things are not working out the way that they hoped that they would be but I, it just gives them a name and honestly I because of what I've seen from the Ravens this year, I don't think that Delvin Cook is going to get much playing time because I think that they're going to trust what they've had all year. They're going to trust August Edwards. They're going to trust Lamar Jackson, obviously. They're going to trust Justice Hill. They're going to trust the system. I think Delvin Cook is a in-case-of-emergency type situation, and it helps that you don't go to a team that you could potentially see in the playoffs. Um but I, I think that it was smart on Delvin Cook's part to go to the Ravens. And I think it was smart for the Ravens to get him. I mean, you're only better unless he's a locker room cancer, which I 
I had never heard that about Dalvin Cook. Uh, and for people that keep sending, hold on, for people that keep sending, like when they're talking about this trade and they said, oh, they're getting a dog, and they keep showing FSU, <laughs> Florida State University highlights. Bro, you realize Delvin Cook was drafted in 2017? I don't know if you know, but I think that was when Obama was still in administration. Yo, it's just it's it's not it's not working, brother. It's not working. <laughs> just no. But I will say that I do think it, it was perfect for Delvin Cook. Again, he hasn't done much at all this year. He had 67 carries for 214 yards, which could be a blessing. It could be it could be you're getting a, a more fresh Delvin Cook. Of course, you're not getting a Delvin Cook at its at his heights. I think those days are long gone. But you're getting a, a, a fresher Delvin Cook, and this just a yet a this is yet another piece that you can use in the playoffs, especially a team that aspirations, at least right now, is is Super Bowl. And it would kind of be shocking and kind of be a a major disappointment. And we talk about think pieces. We'd get think pieces galore if this team doesn't at least make it to a Super Bowl. And I think that Dalvin Cook is a good piece to add. Like, again, I look at this – I look at this – move kind of like when Leonard Fournette was added to the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They didn't need him, but he did turn out being a a great addition for their chances to win a Super Bowl, which they ultimately won with him, uh, which is where he got the moniker playoff Lenny. <laughs> so shouts out to the Ravens and shouts out to Dalvin Cook. Speaking of that, let's go into our week 17 or week 18 predictions this is obviously the last week of the regular season and these last two years since they've implemented a week 18 it has been this I haven't seen it's 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 rare but when I say it's rare it's also this is exactly what the league wants they want high stakes in the last week of the season, which is kind of why they, outside of money, which is kind of why they added a week 18. Almost every single game has important implications, not only to the playoffs, but to the, the, the draft. And of course you have some teams that some games don't matter at all, but there are some games that are pivotal in the future of a franchise as well as a, a team's chances of winning this uh, or, or winning or making it to the playoffs. Let's start with the Saturday games. You have the Steelers at Ravens. Now, I am not going to lie to you guys. I have been nervous about this game ever since I heard that Lamar Jackson wasn't playing. Lamar Jackson, now now I get it. Let me first say this. I understand completely why Lamar Jackson's not playing. The Ravens have locked up the number one seed in the AFC. They have an automatic bye the first week of the playoffs. And the next next game that they'll have to play is is at home against uh, an opponent that has already just played a game. 
And the last thing you want to do, which we've seen before, the last thing you want to do is play a meaningless game or be in a meaningless game to your standings, to your playoff hopes, and a key player gets hurt. We saw that last week against the Ravens and Dolphins. While the game wasn't meaningless, the, the Ravens were up 30 points and Bradley Chubb was still playing. Bradley Chubb tears his ACL out for the season. I That drastically changes how I feel about the Dolphins and their playoff hopes. So the last thing they want is that to happen with the Ravens. I think that you're probably going to get maybe a drive or two or maybe a quarter with Roquan Smith, with um, Jadavion Clowney, with some of the key players on their defense. And you're going to get Tyler Huntley and a lot of reserves for the offense. But the reason why I said that I'm nervous about this and the reason why I said that I I don't know how to feel because I remember the last time this happened. The last time the Ravens were the number one seed in the AFC, the last time the Ravens rested Lamar Jackson, the last time the Ravens had a bye week and then the first game they played was at home against the Tennessee Titans in the divisional round, they lost because they were rusty. Now, yes, shouts out to Mark Spears and shouts out to everyone that's pointed this out because I agree completely. These are two completely different teams. The defense is better. The offense has more weapons. Lamar Jackson doesn't have to do more. I get that, but I'm still nervous. And I'm, and I'm nervous because I'm not going to lie to you. Obviously, everyone knows I'm a Washington fan. I grew up in the DMV area. I grew up probably 10, 15 minutes away from FedEx Field. Uh, I've seen multiple Washington games. I've worked multiple games as a camera op. So, obviously, I have ties to the Washington area. And with that, there's no shot in heaven or hell, obviously, of Washington making it to the playoffs and ultimately winning a Super Bowl. So I want to root for somebody and I want to root for the Baltimore Ravens. I know that, you know, there are people that like my girl, she's a freaking Steelers fan, but I like the story of Lamar Jackson. I like the story of this Ravens team. I want to see Lamar Jackson get the ring. I want to see Odell Beckham Jr. So, you know, get another ring and 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 this team, you know, Kyle Van Noy and Roquan Smith. That's what I want to see. Jadavion Clowney. Um, but it's tough. It's tough because again, I understand that these are two completely different situations, but the last time Lamar Jackson had pretty much two weeks off, because if he rests this week, and of course you have the bye week next week. He could be rusty. I don't I don't know. But I will also say that if I were the Ravens, I would not play him either. The last thing I want, especially in a rivalry game against the Steelers, the last thing I want is uh, Lamar Jackson or any key player getting hurt that can drastically change the outcome of because, you know, it's a rivalry game. So the Steelers are going to play. They have everything to play for as far as they want to one of the storied rivalries in football, they want to beat the Ravens at home. Yeah, they're, they're going to try hard. Um, so because Lamar Jackson is not playing, I have the Steelers winning this game. 
uh, Mason Rudolph is going to play probably. And we've seen, while Mason Rudolph obviously isn't the best quarterback in the world, his connection with George Pickens is crazy. George Pickens, this is the second, uh, he's had two consecutive 100-plus yard games, and it's just so happened to be the games where Mason Rudolph plays. Um, I think the Steelers obviously are going to play for more, or they're going to play all their starters or most of their starters. And I know it's just saying that right now Lamar Jackson's the only one that's sitting out. I don't know how, I, I doubt, I very much doubt that all the starters are going to play majority of the game because whether I, I don't think Rant, Ronnie Staley is going to play that much. I don't think Morgan Moses is going to play that much. I don't think anyone on the defense is going to play. I know Kyle Hamilton is not going to play. So I think that you're getting a, a pretty much you're, you're playing against the reserves. I have the Steelers winning that game. Texans at Colts. This is a huge game because either the Texans, the Colts, or the Jaguars are – making the playoffs and all three of them need this game <laughs> and I I like CJ Strout I like CJ Strout when when we talk about this Colts game CJ Strout has been when he's been on the field and when he's been healthy he's been arguably the best rookie offensive player in the league and there are, there were weeks where he was in the MVP conversation. That's how good he's been. So I just think this Texans team has been much better than projected. The defense has been good. I've been on the DeMari, uh, DeMarco, D'Amico Ryans as coach of the year. I wouldn't be upset if Kevin Stefanski won, seeing as though what he's had to deal with with the quarterback position and what he's gotten out of uh, Joe Flacco. But – I st- you st- I'm going to go with the Texans beating the Colts. I just trust C.J. Stroud more than I trust Gardner Minshew. Uh, so, yeah. So, you got the Sunday games. Buccaneers at Panthers. Let me tell you something. The Buccaneers need this game, too. Because if the Buccaneers lose this game and the Saints beat the Falcons, it, first of all, you do not want to give the Panthers their third win of the season. <laughs> uh I have the Buccaneers winning. Damn, the Buccaneers and Baker Mayfield making the playoffs is crazy. But I have the Buccaneers winning because you're going against the Panthers. You, I understand that Baker Mayfield probably had his worst game of the season last year, but you're going against the Panthers. It's the Panthers. No offense to the Panthers, but all offense to the Panthers. It's the Panthers. Uh, I have, I have, yeah, I have Baker Mayfield winning that one. Browns at Bengals. The Browns have been incredible with Joe Flacco and the Bengals. Like we said last game, a water always finds its level. Jake Browning isn't that good. I have the Browns winning pretty handedly, too, against the Bengals. Uh, Their defense is incredible. That is Cleveland. And Joe Flacco has been incredible since. He's so good. I think he should win a comeback play of the year. I know that you know. Let, let's let's stay here for a second. Let's stay here for a second. No, wait. You know what? Mm. I don't want to jump off that ledge yet. I feel how I feel, but I'm not going to jump off that ledge on this podcast just yet. I'm going to wait. I have the Browns beating the Bengals. Vikings at Lions. I have the Lions winning. The Lions are better in all facets of the game right now. Uh, and they're probably upset. 
I would still be upset and motivated after what happened last week against the Cowboys. And the Vikings, they don't really have much to play for. Nick Mullins is going to start, and they have had a, a they've had a roller coaster of a season. But right now, they're pretty much at the end of that roller coaster. They're at the boring part. So I have the Lions winning that one. Jets at Patriots. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Both these, I got the Jets. The Jets, the Jets should be better than the Patriots, but both these teams aren't that good. I know Trevor Simeon's going to probably start for the Jets, but on top of that, Bailey Zappi, who's thrown more pick sixes than touchdowns this season. Uh, yeah, I got the Jets winning. It, there's not much to it. I do think it's very in, important that the Patriots do win. I don't think they will, but I think it's important that the Patriots do win because the last thing you want to do is go into a season, go into the offseason where, you know, Robert Kraft is evaluating everything is what he's been saying. And he's going to have a conversation with Bill Belichick. The last thing you want is to go into the offseason with a, a loss to the Jets. So I have the Jets winning, though. Falcons at Saints. I think the Saints played their best football last week against the Bucks. And I think that they know that, I mean, technically it's out of their hands at this point, but they have to win this game. And the Falcons aren't that good with Taylor Heineke or with Desmond Ritter. Uh, and they obviously don't know how to use B. John Robinson. It looks like Arthur Smith. Yeah, I think Arthur Smith is going to be out of here. I have uh, the Saints being the, winning this game because they know that they have to win this game to make it to the playoffs. Obviously, they have the Bucks have to win or lose too, which I doubt that's going to happen. But I have the Saints winning this game. Jaguars at Titans again. The Jag this Jaguars game not only has major implications for the Jaguars' playoff hopes, but it has major implications for the Bills' playoff hopes. We're going to talk about the Bills in a second, but the Jaguars need this game. The Jaguars need this game immensely. So I have the Jaguars being the Titans. Again, C.J. Beathard played last game. Trevor Lawrence is playing. should be playing this game. Will Levis, whether it's Will Levis or Ryan Tannehill, the Jaguars should beat the Titans. So I have the Jags. Seahawks at Cardinals. Uh, I have the Seahawks winning. The Cardinals did have their best win of the season last 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 week, obviously against the Eagles. But the Seahawks, well, the Seahawks really don't got no shot making the playoffs. So I, I just think the Seahawks are going to win. The Seahawks are a better team. So I got the Seahawks. Bears at Packers. This is a sneaky big game for both ends of the spectrum. This is a sneaky big game for the Packers to ultimately try to make into the playoffs. There's also a big game for the Bears because, and not just for the Bears, I'm looking solely at J Justin Fields. I put a video out about Justin Fields and how his play and how good he's been is putting a major question mark into the draft it's it's affecting the the washington commanders is affecting the bears what do the bears do with that number one pick the number one pick has already been solidified because they have the panthers pick and the panthers have been terrible um i don't know i, I understand because you're hearing reports saying that the team wants justin fields but do you want to listen to the team or do you want to draft a court a player like a caleb williams who a lot of people think could be 
generational. I think that he's a generation or he has the ability to be a generational talent. You just have to tap into it. Um, I don't know. And I think that if Justin Fields continues to play as good as he's been playing, it's going to be very hard to justify letting him go to get somebody that's new, especially when you've established that you have not been good at developing quarterbacks. As we sit here today, what has who has been the best quarterback for the Bears in their in their lineage? I don't fucking know, but I do know that since the Bears' inception, they have not been really good. As as who, they have not been good at developing quarterbacks, they have not been good at getting key wide receivers. There, there's a problem when Justin Jefferson has more receiving yards than every Bears wide receiver in like franchise history. This is the same Bears team, Bears team that had Brandon Marshall and Alshon Jeffrey. Now I think about it, but um, I think the Bears play good. I think I think Justin Fields has a really good game, but I do think that the Packers are playing for their playoff lives. So I have the Packers winning. And you're at you're in Lambeau. I have the Packers winning. Jordan Love has been playing better these last few weeks. Uh, he's been he's been putting up meaningful stats because he's been putting up stats all season, but a lot of it was like garbage time minute stats. I think that the Packers are going to win this game. Chiefs at Chargers. Chargers are terrible. Uh, just 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 got awful terrible so and the Chiefs haven't been good either but the Chiefs I think are hoping that this game can change their fortunes or turn it around especially going into the playoffs because I also put a video about how inconsistent and how not too good even though he did make a Pro Bowl which we'll talk about in a second but Travis Kelsey hasn't been that good this year um or hasn't been as good as he should be I think that they're hoping that this Chargers game can kind of steer the ship. I don't know if Patrick Mahomes is going to be playing, but we'll see. I have the Chargers winning, even if Patrick Mahomes doesn't play. Broncos at Raiders. I have the Raiders. Broncos suck. Uh, Yeah. Jared Stidham. Yeah. Well, then again, the Raiders aren't that good either. I have the Raiders. I have the Raiders. Eagles at Giants. The Eagles know they need this game. Now, I can I, I know I keep saying they need this game, but you ultimately have to go out there and win it. Uh, I have the Eagles winning this game against the Giants. I know Tyrod Taylor is going to be playing, and he has been better than whatever the hell the, the Giants have rolled out this year. But I think there are still issues. I know that A.J. Brown came out and had a – press conference about what's going on with the Eagles I still think that there's issues and the the habits that they've developed over the season haven't been good habits so I don't know but um I I have the Eagles being the Giants the Eagles need this game uh yeah the Rams at 49ers this is a good this is an interesting game too because the 49ers don't need this game the in in a sense of they don't need this game to make the playoffs. Now they need this game to secure the number. Well, no, no, because they beat the Cowboys. So the the Forty Nineers don't need this game. They have locked up the number one seed. Uh, they may rest a bunch of their players, kind of like the Ravens, and the Rams need this game to not not solidify their playoff spot because they've already clinched a playoff spot, but 
you know, for the standings, they 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 want a good they want a good outing, um, and they want a good they want a good spot in the playoffs. So, I think I have the Rams winning this game. I don't know the 49ers are gonna. I don't know who they're gonna rest. I don't know who. Yeah, but I think the Rams are gonna start everyone. Uh, I think that's smart to do that. Um, oh, and Puka Nakua, I think it needs 16 yards or something. Or like 18 yards, like 40 yards or something to break, uh, to set the rookie receiving yards for a season of all time. So, oh, and also Travis Kelsey, which I know he's not, he's not going to rest because of this. Travis Kelsey is like 16 yards away from having yet another thousand yard season. I know with me saying that and then in the same breath said he hasn't had a good season. It's crazy, but yeah. Uh, Shouts out to them. I have the Rams beating the 49ers. The Cowboys at Washington. Let me tell you something, Washington. I've done this before. This is probably the first time in my, you know, probably. This is the first time in my entire life, both adult, kid. This is the first time in my entire life where I have ever uttered the phrase, I need you to lose to Dallas. The commanders better lose to Dallas or so help me God. And and, and that and just my luck, right? Because Ron Rivera, it, it's all signs are pointing to he's out of here. So why would he try to help Washington get draft capital? So if Ron Rivera gonna coach it, Ron Rivera might coach the best game he's ever coached in his life on Sunday, and that's gonna piss me off, bro. <laughs> I swear to God it's going to. And you know the Cowboys, the Cowboys always lose this game. And the Cowboys need this game. Cause if they win this game, I think they are I think they're number one in the AFC, which continue or AFC East. Or NFC, I'm sorry. NFC East, which continues the trend of not having a repeat winner in the NFC East since like 2000-something. So the Cowboys need this game too. Bruh, Washington, let me tell you something. If you blow the opportunity to possibly get someone like a Caleb Caleb Williams, oh boy, I have the Cowboys winning. I hope. I am a Cowboys fan on Sunday. Go Cowboys, go! I don't know what their what their phrase is, <laughs> but boy, let me tell you something. Oh my God! If the Washington Commanders win this game, oh brother! Uh, in the last game, Sunday Night Football, you have the Bills and the Dolphins. Now, I talked about the Bills and the Dolphins game when I predicted the Jaguars and Titans because the Bills. Think about this. And think about how crazy this is that you're going into this game. If you win this game, you are not you not only won your division, you're the second seed in the playoffs, like in, in, in the AFC. You're the number two seed compared to if you lose this game and the Jaguars win this game, win their game against the Titans, which is a good shot that they're going to. You miss the playoffs. So you the pendulum swings from two seed in the playoffs. There's and there's no in between either. Like you can't go, all right, well, you lost and the Jaguars lost. But 
if the Titans lose or if the Titans win or Texans win, they're in the playoffs. Like, I think that's insane. That's insane. But for the for the Dolphins, you go from possibly winning the two seed to going to the fifth, sixth seed. Meaning your first game more time, more than likely is going to be at Arrowhead. And we know how different the the Patriots or not Patriots, the Chiefs are at home in the playoffs. Both these teams have an incredible amount to play for. Again, the Bills are literally playing for their playoff lives, and they're also playing for the two seed, which is crazy. And the Dolphins are playing for either the two seed or like the fifth or sixth seed. I have the Bills winning this game because of the loss of Bradley Chubb is huge. Because you already Jalen Phillips is already out. Not having Bradley Chubb is in, is monumental. So, damn the Bills. The Bills was looking bleak. Their season was looking bleak. And I think they're going to beat the, the, the Dolphins for the second time, even though they're in Miami for the second time and make the playoffs. Yeah. Those are my predictions. Um, Lastly, before we go, actually, no. Next thing I want to talk about is the Pro Bowl. Um, First of all, shouts out to everyone that was announced the Pro Bowl rosters were announced and there were some great names obviously like Lamar Jackson there are people that you thought were going to make the playoff or a Pro Bowl that obviously did so shout out to them and all the people that made the play Pro Bowl shout out to them I am against the Pro Bowl I'm not against the thought of the Pro Bowl but I am against how they have marketed it how they've changed it to the from the pole bro to the pro bowl games I, I just they need to figure i don't understand why the pro bowl isn't at the end of the season or isn't in the middle of the season like the nba all-star because that's technically if you want a comparison or if you want like a comp the pro bowl is obviously the all-star game all-star weekend for for the nba and how they make how NBA does a fabulous job, even though the all-star game and the, you know, festivities as far as the slam dunk contest and all that hasn't been great. You still know that the NBA makes it a point to market and makes it a point for the all-star game to be a special event. And I don't, I think the NFL has fallen short on several occasions for several years now with the Pro Bowl, but I understand how important it is to these to these players and to the athletes. I mean, anytime we talk about a, a basketball player, NBA player in the Hall of Fame chances, we do talk about they were a four-time All-Star, a five-time All-Star, a six-time All-Star, a 12-time All-Star. We do the same thing with the Pro Bowl. He was a three-time Pro Bowler, a four-time Pro Bowler. So I understand how important it is. I just wish that it was different, you know, I wish that they they put more into it. I wish it was in the middle of the season. I don't know how they do that, but I just wish it was in the middle of the season so you can focus on it. Maybe it gives teams and players that aren't in it, obviously, a break. You know, like a a, a unified a unified um bye week for players that aren't involved in the Pro Bowl. I don't know. 
I, I don't know how to make it, but I just I just think it needs to be better. But I do want to shout out all the players that did make the Pro Bowl. And as unfortunate it is, shouts out to all the players that didn't make it, man. There was a lot of players like Amon St. Amra St. Brown who was upset that he didn't make it. Or I was kind of shocked that Josh Allen didn't make it, seeing as though how the numbers that he put up. Uh, there's a bunch of players. Mike Evans didn't make it. And Mike Evans had yet another thousand yard season, I believe. Uh, yeah, it's crazy, but and I, again, I understand how important it is. So, you know, I I, I know, and I'm also shocked that someone like a Keenan Allen made it. And I like Keenan Allen. Don't get me wrong, but you know, I think there was a little more deserving wide receivers. And I'm not just singling out Keenan Allen. There, there's a bunch of players like I was kind of shocked that, you know. <laughs> that Tua made it over someone like uh, Josh Allen. Or, like I said, um, who was the wide receivers that made it in the West? Or made it in the in the NFC? Uh, I was shocked that Amron St. Brown didn't make it. Make it. Um, and A.J. Brown did. I think A.J. Brown has been the best player for the Eagles uh, or Eagles offensively. He's been the most consistent, but I am surprised that he made it over, you know, Amara St. Brown. But, hey, shouts out to all the people that didn't make it. I mean, shouts out to, yeah, and shouts out to all the people that made it. So, now, last time before we go, we have the unpopular topic of the day. And uh, I think this story and this report proves and shows how fractured and not not fractured how how weak how do i say this how how quickly and how easily it could be to fracture a locker room and how it doesn't even have to be players it can just be situations but a locker room can be, and it doesn't matter if it's a championship caliber locker room, as we've seen with the Golden State Warriors and Draymond Green. It doesn't have to be a, it can be a trash locker room like the like the Chicago Bulls was a couple years ago. So the report came out saying that there are multiple people that are upset with Darvin Ham and how Darvin Ham is losing the locker room and how it's pretty much expected that Darvin Ham is not going to make it out of this season. Which I also th- I think is fascinating how quickly basketball and sports works because this is the same Darvin Ham and the same Lakers team that made it to the Western Conference Finals last season. After starting the season horribly, they were like 1-9, weren't they? But, and I will say this, a lot of there are it's not not everything is one person's fault not everything is another person's fault there are there are, there is culpability that needs to be had for instance Darvin Ham he has some I don't know why he keeps changing the the starting lineups I don't know why he keeps putting out these bad rosters or these bad fives these these bad units I don't I don't get it I don't understand why some players would get uh Coaches decision do not play, and some players do, and those players that do score zero points in twenty five minutes, or score zero four points in 
three games. It, it doesn't make sense to me. And the fact of, and it's 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 been proven that Darvin Ham very rarely makes adjustments. Sports is a game of adjustments. How do you go into the locker room in halftime, and how do you come out? If if you make no adjustments, you're going to lose majority of the games. And as we're seeing, the Lakers are struggling mildly. I mean, right now. They're 17 and 18 with LeBron James, with Anthony Davis, and quite as a kept, Anthony Davis has having is having one of his best offensive game offensive seasons as a Laker that he's had since winning a championship. So in that sense, I get it. In that sense, Darvin Ham definitely what are you doing, bro? You're you're not improving this team. You're not helping this team improve. On the other hand, what a shocker <laughs> that a Lakers team that has the vo- let me let me let me tell you a roster. A Lakers team that has, and I'm gonna just talk talk about the people that play. Uh, Max Christie, Anthony Davis, Rui Hachimura, Jackson Hayes, uh, Jalen Hood, Shanif. No, I know I messed your name up, bro. I apologize. LeBron James, Maxwell Lewis, Torian Prince, Austin Reeves, Cam Reddish, D'Angelo Russell, Justin Vanderbilt. Uh, or Jared Vanderbilt, I'm sorry, Gabe Vincent, and Christian Wood. You know what all of those have in common? They can't shoot the ball. Their best shooter is LeBron James, who is about to be 40. So what a shocker. I don't, like, I understand Gabe Vincent, he's hurt, and he's pretty much turned into Kevin Kendrick Nunn. But... Who do you think? I know who do who do you think is about to be a reliable shooter? And on top of that, they don't. They're a big team. Don't get me wrong, but they don't have offense. Austin Reeves, yes, I think he can get more minutes, and I don't know why you paid him all that money to, which is probably a Darvin Ham thing, to ride the bench as much as he does. But what the fuck? Torian Prince and D'Angelo, no, Torian Prince and Cam Reddish the other day. Combined played 50 minutes. And you know what all three of us had in common? We scored the same amount of points. I don't know what to do, but that ain't all Darvin Ham, bro. This is roster construction. I said this. I said that when all the free agency was had. I said the Lakers won the free agency because they got rid of the old and kept the good old and brought new but what i did say is the thing that concerns me is they do not have any shooting still so i don't know what ceiling you think you finna have for instance look at the landscape of the western conference right now you know golden state even though they did just blow a what 18 point lead in five minutes you they still have shooting and I said last episode that if they get Pascal Siakam, I think that it takes them from an okay team to a championship caliber team. You know the, the the Nuggets have shooting. You know the even though they're struggling too, the Suns have shooting. The Timberwolves have shooting. The best team in the league this year that isn't that nobody really talks about that much until now is the thunder. They have shooting. What the fuck? What do you think the Lakers are finna do? Yes, I understand Anthony Davis is playing well. 
LeBron James is playing well, but what what's happening, bro? I think Darvin Ham's probably going to be out by the end of the season. Maybe not even make it to the end of the season. But what I do know is Darvin Ham does have issues, and those issues are fireable. The adjustments and the weird lineups that he keeps trotting out there and the starting five that keeps changing, that's on him. But what's not on him is this roster construction. And this roster is not constructed to win in 2024. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. And there you have it. That has been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I truly, truly, truly appreciate you guys. If you want a popular podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve joggers, the link is in the description below. I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Get your Unpopular Podcast merch today. Also, please subscribe to the YouTube. I'm trying to reach as many followers as I can, and it definitely, definitely helps for the amount of you know people that subscribe. And I appreciate everyone that subscribes. If you get to this point in the episode and you're not subscribed, like, what are we doing, bro? Like, what are we doing? Uh, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. If they're not subscribed to this, subscribe. I'm trying to build as I'm trying to build a community, man. And obviously, with community, you need more people. So. Also, subscribe to the DSPs if you do listen to DSPs. I understand that you have some people that only watch me on YouTube. You have some people that only listen to me on DSPs on the go. I truly appreciate all of you guys. No, no audience is bigger or better than the other. Subscribe to the DSPs, whether that's Apple Podcasts, whether that's Spotify, whether that's Pandora, whether that's wherever you get your podcast. Hell, some people listen to me on SoundCloud. I appreciate all of you guys. Please subscribe there. It means so much to me that you guys care enough to subscribe if you do subscribe uh, and care enough to know to to hear me talk because <laughs> I'd be talking a lot. Um, also, please follow the socials, follow Instagram, follow TikTok. Uh, I post there pretty much daily that those are the close like if you really want to talk to me and and connect with me those are probably the fastest places i say this all the time i will continue to say this so i'll say it now keep it respectful and i don't mind responding i don't mind you debating i don't mind you having a different opinion i don't mind you even changing my opinion i think i that is i love that i love when somebody comes and they literally change my viewpoint change my opinions on something i'm open to that just don't be i understand if you don't agree with what i say cool i respect it just do not be disrespectful that's it um i hope you guys have a great weekend i will see you guys after the national championship and we'll talk about it again and until next time much love